How are we doing this morning? Good? Yeah? Awesome? Great. Great. We should be doing a lot better than, well, I guess it's not spring break for everybody. Not everybody gets the wonderful privilege of being a school teacher like I do, where I get to have spring break. Um, but that's okay. Um, we're glad you're here again. Um, I just mentioned that, hey, you know, it's the start of spring break. You could have chosen to be anywhere, but you chose to be here to listen to me for a little while, and I appreciate that for sure. Um, so I'm actually starting, I'm, I'm really excited, Pastor Frank um, is giving me the next three weeks to start a sermon series, um, and I love that, for one, that he, uh, he, he trusts me enough to do that, which is awesome, um, and two, that it really gives me a, a chance to speak about something more than just for like 30, 35 minutes, right? I have a couple weeks to sort of expand, um, so that way I don't have to try to cram everything that I want to say into a small one, kind of one-off sermon. Um, so I'm really excited about it, and as he, you know, he gave me some heads up, we, we plan our sermons and stuff like that, we plan to schedule and things, and he said, okay, these three weeks, um, starting at the end of March and going into the beginning of April, th this is you. Um, you. You do what you want with it, you take it, you run with it, and, uh, you know, he didn't really give me any direction or anything like that. We met a few times, he said, well, where's your heart at, you know, where, um, where do you think that, you know, God is leading you to, to, to lead our people and things like that. So we had those good conversations. And um, I, I finally settled on this title, um, No Filter, right? Unfiltered Christianity. What I really wanted to talk about here was, was what, what does being a Christian actually mean? And what does that look like from an authentic and unfiltered perspective? Um, because I think a lot of times we sort of have this maybe unrealistic view of Christianity, or maybe we have this, I mean, sometimes we even have this filtered view of Christianity that we look at it and we say, oh, okay, that's what Christianity actually is. But if you look back to what the authentic Christians of the Bible were doing, it's something totally different, right? So as we kind of dig in here and I start these next three weeks, um, that's, that's what I want to stay is this basis as, is this unfiltered Christianity. And, and if we, when we look at the Bible, the Bible like holds no punches, right? The Bible will tell you exactly, exactly how it is, whether it offends you or not. And um, that's exactly what I, I want to try to bring out here. Um, not that my goal is to come up here and like offend everybody that walks in this door, but I want to get up here and I want to say, hey, look, this is what Christianity is from a biblical standpoint. Um, and I think it'll be really beneficial to you. It's been really beneficial to me as I've been digging through it, as I've been researching and studying. I was like, oh, wow, that, they did that in the Bible? I had no idea. You know, that's what the Bible says about this. And I think that's so cool to be actually able to dig in and see that, right? So that's sort of before I even wanted to um, start, that, I wanted to kind of give you a, a um, kind of summary of, of what was going to happen. So before I, I say anything else, before I dig in anywhere else, and before we start, um, I will go ahead and, and throw out a disclaimer here that um, I am 27 years old, all right? Now, that doesn't seem like a big deal, 27 years old. However, I am the dreaded generation that people like to call a millennial, all right? Whether you have good kind of... Um, good thoughts about millennials or negative thoughts about millennials. I am one, all right? 27 years old. I'm right in that range. And most people who are a millennial will say, no, 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 no. I'm not part of that. I'm not anything like that. You know, I don't want to be associated with that generation. They're, they're sensitive and, you know, I don't, I don't want to be any part of that, right? They're lazy. I, on the other hand, 
um, I embrace and accept. Because if you look at the stereotypical definition of what a millennial is, that's me. Right? I'll just go ahead and I'll just be honest. Eventually, when that word goes into the dictionary, my picture will be like a whole like page spread. Right? Because it is me 100%. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, and there are some bad things, um, that is me. All right? And I want to accept and embrace that because I think as me being 27, I think the, the generation that I have is really important. Um, I think because we are the next generation, do you know, sort of kind of carry on the legacy of the, the generation before us, I think it's important to understand and embrace who we are. Not just so we can, you know, be a community of millennials together, but to try and fix the issues that we have. Um, because we, we definitely have some issues, um, and I definitely have some issues. Um, but as I wanted to go throughout this series of looking at Christianity, one of the big things that strikes me, one of the biggest things I've always heard about my generation is millennials don't go to church. Um, millennials aren't Christians. Millennials don't believe in um, this God. They believe more in themselves or they've, you know, kind of subscribed to something other than religion or Christianity. They sort of have this negative view of organized religion. And I don't really know, I, I guess I kind of know why, but I didn't really know why. Um, I'm one of the only people that I went to school with of my friends that still go to church, um, and not just go to church, but are heavily involved in church. A lot of my friends that I graduated high school with and even went to college with, they don't go to church anymore. Um, and they say, no, I don't, I don't really do the whole Christian thing anymore. That was cool when I was in high school, but, you know, that's not really a thing anymore. Or my parents don't force me to go anymore, so I just, you know, I just kind of stopped going. It's not a big deal. And I, I wanted to figure out why. Um, and I wanted to sort of understand the mindset of people my age, um, because I don't, you know, obviously I don't really think like that. Um, and maybe it's because of the way I was, I was raised or I grew up or just that I was around church. I had the opportunity to be involved in church or, you know, I picked a good church to attend or whatever that looked like. Um, I, I wanted to figure out why. So I'm going to approach this sort of series of no filter as a millennial looking back at why they don't go to church, right? Because I actually talked to a lot of my old friends who I haven't talked to in a while to prepare for this to say, hey, why don't you go to church anymore? What turned you off from church? What was that moment when you decided you didn't want to go to church anymore? Why? What was the reason? Or why did me and you go to church together all throughout high school and now all of a sudden you decided you don't want to be a part of this whole Christian thing? What's the reason? So what I did is I asked a bunch of my old friends, and I compiled a list of those reasons um, of what they said, and then I said, okay, cool, I get it. Now, let me look and see what the Bible says about that, and see if we can pull that out and say, okay, well, here's the reason why you think that, and let me tell you, Christianity is not at all what you think it should be about. Because, see, what I found a lot of times was the things that they were telling me were things that the Bible doesn't say about Christianity, the things they were telling me about church is not what the Bible says about church. So what we've done as a society is we've sort of changed the meaning of what Christianity and church is. We've sort of changed the meaning of what a relationship with God and Jesus looks like. And that's turning my generation of people off. So as I begin this, I want you to know that that's kind of the view I'm taking is from taking those questions and taking those reasons that people don't go to church and looking back and seeing what the Bible actually says about them, right? Cool. 
So the reason I chose this idea of um, no filter, right, in case you are not familiar with um, Instagram or Snapchat or anything like that, um, hashtag no filter is a big, it's, it's one of the most popular um, actual hashtags, especially on Instagram. Um, basically what that is, is it says, hey, this picture is raw and unedited. This picture is something that I didn't, you know, try to change the lighting a little bit. I didn't change the coloring a little bit. I didn't edit it to make myself look better, right? I didn't add this, this color on it. I didn't add a symbol to it. It's just raw, unfiltered me or whatever the picture it is that you're taking. Because on Snapchat and Instagram, a lot of times they have what's called filters where you can change the look of the picture that you took. Um, you can add a a background, you can add a symbol, you can change the color, you can, like, uh, even on Snapchat, you have these crazy faces you can do, right? It changes the entire look of the picture that you took, or the picture that you are taking. Um, it totally changes it, whether it's to make it look better than the original picture, because I can add, like, like I look better in black and white than I do in color, because, you know, I have ginger skin and the red hair just doesn't look cute. I look better in black and white. So whenever my wife and I take pictures together, I like to change it to black and white, because I look better that way, Right? Filter, you can change to make yourself look better, or you can use it to cover up something that you don't like, right? Um, if you have, like, a little, like, pimple or something on your face, you can take a little editing tool, and you can, like, blur that thing out so nobody can see it. So the idea of this hashtag no filter is I want to know what does Christianity look like raw and unfiltered? What does Christianity look like when we take the filter away from it? Because as a society, we've done a pretty good job of putting this filter and changing the way Christianity looks to make it better to suit our needs or make it better for, you know, make it, to make it look better to everybody else, to make it look like it's something that everybody wants and needs, which it is. Um, so I don't know why we put this filter on it, but for some reason we do. And because we've done that, that's turning a lot of people off from this idea of Christianity. Okay, so one of the, um, one of the, we're going to dig into three different topics here um, for the three different weeks. The first topic that I want to focus on this week is the church, all right? I want to take the filter off of the church and kind of go back and see exactly what does the Bible say about church? What does the Bible, in, from the, like the Old and New Testament churches, what does it say about church, especially um, in the New Testament when we get into Acts and things like that? What do those churches look like and how do they operate? And we as a church, not we as Lake Point Church, but as a, you know, a, a big kind of overall view of church, are we doing it the right way? Again, disclaimer, throw this out here. I'm not talking specifically about Lake Point Church. Um, I absolutely love this church. Um, like I said, I've been here from the very beginning. Um, if I didn't like it, I wouldn't be here. Um, I love this church. So when I say things, you know, about the church that we might be doing wrong, I'm not talking about Lake Point. Um, I'm talking about church in general. Um, so I want to start with what it looks like to be an authentic church. What does it look like to be a raw and unfiltered church that we see in the, um, in the Bible? And I'll be the first to admit when I talk about this that my views might be a little biased. Or they might be a little jaded, I guess. Um, I'll be honest. I kind of have a little jaded view of, of the church just because of the way I grew up. Um, I grew up in a... Um, in a really large, um, traditional Southern Baptist church, um, and, and I'll, I'll tell you more about that in a minute, but um, a lot of the stuff that went on there that I noticed and that I saw kind of jaded me just a little bit. 
um, it took me coming to, to talking to people like Pastor Frank, talking to, to my other um, Christian mentors that said, you know what, that's not what church is. Let me show you what real church is supposed to be about, right? Um, so I'll be the first to admit from the very beginning, I sort of have this idea of church that's kind of like, you know, I, I don't know. Um, and, and that stuck with me even through college, and I worked at it. And now I'm to the point where, yes, this is what church is supposed to be. And now I get why church is a big deal. Now I get why church is important when you do it the right way. And if we're honest, I feel like all of us may just have that little bit of, um, I wouldn't say skepticism, but that little bit of when, when you say church, you, you get that kind of bad, cringy feeling. Maybe you had a bad experience with the church. Um, maybe you went to a church that, you know, didn't feel very welcoming. Uh, maybe you went to a church where they treated you like an outsider or they mocked you or they made fun of you. Or maybe you went to a church that, you know, just didn't necessarily feel right. Um, and I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we, we, we have those memories, that little bit inside of us that are like, uh, yeah, that, that I can kind of admit that that kind of rubbed me the wrong way about church, right? And no matter, I feel like no matter where you go, that may or may not happen. Um, we're, we're always not going to have a perfect time or a perfect experience no matter where we go. But what we have to do is we have to be able to kind of progress through that and say, you know what? Church is, is not about us, right? Church is about God. Church is about when we come here, gather together to worship him. That's what church is about. Um, and that's really the, the basis of what I want to talk about today is church is not about you. Church is about God. And when we make it about ourselves, that's when we do church the wrong way. Um, and, and that's when we, send, when we, when we try to, to, to force the church to be something we want rather than what God wants, that's when we get in our own way a lot of times, and that's what turns a lot of people off. Um, so the very first um, verse that I want to be in is Matthew 18, verse 20. Um, I don't have very many verses today, but um, Matthew 18, verse 20 is the first one that I would like us to read together. And it says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them, or there I am with them, depending on the translation that you read. A lot of people know this verse. This is a pretty popular verse when we talk about churches and fellowshipping and gathering together. Um, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Here's what's important to understand about this verse that I think a lot of people don't, don't really get. Um, you can have a church with two or three people, um, but the, the important part of this verse is when they gather in my name. When two or three gather in my name, in the name of Jesus, that's when I am with them. See, if me and my wife go out to, you know, have a date and talk about life and talk about, you know, what, what we did that day, how work was, we're two Christians. There's two of us. We're gathered together. But that's not church because we're not gathered in the name of Jesus to worship Jesus, to, to, to do things about God. We're not doing these kind of Christian-related activities. Yes, we're eating together, and yes, we pray before our meal, but that's not considered church, right? Because we're not gathered together in his name, in Jesus' name. Going out with a friend is good. If it's not in Jesus' name, if it's not doing something about Jesus, doing something about God or anything like that, then it can't be considered church. Or, and here's the big one, if you come to church on Sundays without the intention to worship God, you're not experiencing church. If you walk through this door 
with the intention that I'm just going to sit here and not worship God and not learn anything and not do anything with Christianity. And I don't want to hear anything what the pastor has to say. I don't want to sing the songs. I'm just going to stand there because my parents are forcing me and then I'm going to leave. You might have been in church, but you didn't experience church. You might have been in the building, but you didn't experience church for yourself because you didn't come here in Jesus' name. You didn't come here with the intention to worship and honor and praise him. And I think that a lot of times as well, we make, again, we, we tend to make church about ourselves. And when we come here, we say, you know what, if I don't like the songs, I'm not going to worship. If I don't like the pastor, I'm not going to listen because I just think that, you know, it's, it's, I don't like him. I don't get anything from him, so I'm just not going to listen. That's making church about you. When you make church about you, it's not possible, right? It, it, you can't have church when you make it about yourself. So when we say in Jesus' name, that's a big deal. Because if we don't come with the intention of worshiping God, then we can't consider it church. If we're just coming to the church for the aesthetics of the church, then we're coming to church for the wrong reason. If you're coming to church because you like the kind of coffee that they give or because you like the, the skinny jeans the pastor wears or you like the songs that are played or you like the, you know, the paint they have on the walls and the songs that they play. If you're coming to church for the aesthetics of the church, you're coming for the very wrong reason. You're coming to make church about you because you like it rather than coming to church because of what you're supposed to be here for, which is to worship God. It's not about that. It's not about the look. It's not about, you know, the sound. It's not about the feel. It's about gathering together as Christians to worship in Jesus' name. And I get that. I get the look. I get the feel. Because if you don't feel comfortable where you're at, well, then, yeah, that could be part of the problem. If you don't feel comfortable, then you're not going to worship to your fullest because you don't feel like connected to that. That's why as a church, we try to do the best we can to make you guys feel comfortable, right? To make us feel comfortable. Sure, we could sit on those awful cafeteria benches and we could not paint any of this black up here. We could not have the lights. We could, you know, just sit here and sing in a circle, um, which I guess we don't have lights, but you know, you get the point. Um, we have a screen though, so that's pretty cool. I have these lights that are blinding me, but we could not do any of that and we could still worship church, or we could still worship God. We could still do church. Obviously, look, the lights are gone, and we're still doing church, right? We can do that. But that wouldn't make you feel comfortable. That wouldn't make you want to come in here and say, you know what, I'm going to worship God to my fullest today. For some of you, you might like it, right? Some of you are very um, stripped down. You don't like the big, you know, the, the, the lights and the, the loud music, and, you don't, and that's okay. You don't have to. So as a church, I think it's important to appeal to what people want, to draw people in, to get them to come so they can worship to, their, to the best of their ability. That's why you see these large churches spending money on paint and spending money on coffee and spending money on, on chairs to help people feel comfortable and welcome. Because if you just walked into this empty cafeteria on a Sunday, like on a Sunday morning with nothing done and it's set up like we're about to eat lunch together in middle school, that's not very welcoming and inviting for a church atmosphere. So while I understand that aesthetics are important for a church, when you start, when you, when you realize that you're coming for that and that's the reason why you're coming, that's when it becomes a problem. If you leave here 
and you find yourself complaining that the coffee was gross rather than how you experienced God, you came to church that day for the wrong reason. If you find yourself at lunch after this talking with your significant other or talking with your parents about, oh, I don't really like what the pastor preached about today. I thought he was boring. You came to church for the wrong reason. You didn't come with the intention to worship God. You came with the intention to be entertained or to be satisfied, which is not how you experience church. And I'm sorry that you sat here for an hour and a half and didn't experience God because I promise you there are other people in the room who did. That's not a church problem. That's a you and your heart problem. There's a, um, there, there was a, a, a quote from a pastor that I heard a long time ago. Um, he, he was a big pastor, and he said that one of, the, one of these members from his congregation, um, uh, uh, some, some lady came up to him after the service, and she said, you know, pastor, I didn't really like the songs that were played in worship today. And he goes, oh, well, I'm glad we weren't worshiping you today then, right? Because that's, what, that's the mindset that we have. I don't care if you don't like this song. We're not worshiping you. We're worshiping God. We're worshiping him. He likes the songs. It's our job to praise him. It's our job to sing them, to worship him. We're not, worship, we're not here to worship ourselves. We're not here to get to feel better about ourselves. We're here to worship him so then he can do his work on you. It doesn't come from us. And I think that's what church is about. It's about worshiping him so that way he can do his work on us. And when we don't do that, that's when we turn people off from the church. When, as a, as a musician, if I get up here and treat this just like a performance rather than a worship set, I'm not doing church the way that I'm supposed to do. It's a performance. It's not a worship service. Sure, everything that we, one of our core values as the church is excellence, and we want to do everything to the best of our ability to eliminate the distractions so we can worship God, not so we can put on the best show in town. It's so we can eliminate all of the distractions to worship him, and that's what it's about. That's what church is about, is worshiping him. The next passage I want to look at is Acts 2, verses 46 and 47. Acts 2, 46 and 47. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in the homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is talking about the, um, if you read all of Acts 2, which I don't have time to read all those 40 verses to you, um, it's talking about the church of the New Testament. And it's talking about the members of the church of the New Testament and how they operated and what they did on a daily basis. And I think the first thing to point out from these first two verses, the very first thing that is crucial is there is no mention in either of these two verses about a building. There is no mention in verse 46 or 47 of them gathering together in a building every day to worship. Because they didn't. The church isn't about a building. The church isn't about having the biggest building in town. I mean, y'all look around. We meet in a cafeteria. <laughs> it's not about a building. It's not at all about a building. We could worship in the parking lot and still worship the same as we do in here. Um, 
In fact, actually, if you translate the, um, the, the word church back to the original Greek, um, it actually literally means assembly or meeting. Assembly or meeting. It refers to the action of gathering and meeting together, not where you gather or meet together. The church is people gathering and meeting together, not the building that you do it in. So from the very sort of beginning of what church was supposed to be, we see this idea of, hey, they didn't meet in a building. What did it say in verse 46? It said they met daily everywhere. They would go out in the streets. They would go out in the temples and the synagogues. They would go out where needy people were. They would go out to parks. They would meet anywhere in worship because it's not about a building. It's about believers in Jesus' name gathering together. The second thing we see from this passage is that church was a daily thing for these people. If uh, we could please put 46 back up on the screen, that would be awesome. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. Every day was daily for them. Every single day. I think as, as a church and society, too often as Christians, we just decide to come to church when it's convenient for us. And, and that hurts to hear. Um, but I think that a lot of times we come when it's convenient. So you know what? We don't have anything to do on Sunday. Yeah, let's go to church this month. Or, you know what, our kids are here with us this, this week. It's a good idea that we bring them to Sunday school so they can get Jesus, right? Let's go to church. Or maybe we don't have our kids, so we don't have to deal with getting them up, so why don't we come to church today? Or maybe um, we, we only come to church when things are going good or bad in our life, right? Like maybe we only come when things are going bad and we say, oh, that's why things are going bad. I haven't been to church in two months. Let, let me go to church on Sunday, and then maybe God will see that and something good will happen to me. Or maybe we only come when good things happen because we feel guilty that good stuff is happening to us and we're not coming to church to honor God, right, as if that's what it's about. Too often, we only come to church when it's convenient for us or it fits into our our, our lifestyle and what we need at the time. We're not making that conscious effort to come every single... Not... (laughs) These people came every single day. We can barely show up once a week. I can't imagine every day. Every day, they met in the temple courts and broke bread in their homes and ate together. We struggle to show up on a Sunday morning once a week. Two days if, you know, you, you meet on a small group on a different day or something like that. It was daily. Church was a daily occurrence for these people. Not only were they meeting daily, but they met wherever they saw fit. Right? It just said they met together in temple courts, in homes. Um, They went enjoying the favor of all people. So they were going everywhere to where all the people were. I think a lot of times we forget that God exists outside the four walls of a church. Now, as Lake Point Church, as us being a church plant, we we don't really have that mindset because, you know, we've had to meet kind of anywhere and anywhere we possibly can. Um, And, I mean, a couple weeks ago, we met on the land out there and worshiped God that way, right? So as a church plant, it's, it's much easier to not have that mindset. But for a lot of these large and established churches, the building becomes the church. And if it doesn't happen outside the building then is it really even God-inspired at that point, right? Does God actually exist when we go outside the sanctuary, when we go outside the fellowship hall, when we go outside the Sunday school rooms? And God calls us 
to, to be the light in the darkness, right? But how can we be the light if we never go into the darkness, if we just stay here the whole time? How can we be the light in the darkness outside of the church if we never take Jesus outside of the church? And if maybe for whatever reason, you don't feel comfortable taking God outside these cafeteria doors, well, then maybe you kind of need to reevaluate what Jesus means to you. That's tough. It is, but it's true. If, if you don't want to take Jesus into your workplace, if you don't want to take God anywhere outside of church, if you think God is only to be worshiped inside the church, you might need to reevaluate what, who God is to you. Because that's not who God is and who God was to these people. But they were meeting in public places every single day, doing the work in worshiping and fellowshipping with God. Now, that being said, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that a church building is bad, because it's not. Um, you know, we just bought some awesome land, and, uh, you know, we have these ideas for this awesome, this awesome building that we're going to be able to do a lot of great stuff with. I mean, building a park and things like that, doing things for the public, that's what it's about. There's a small group that meets here Sunday mornings. Don't get me wrong. That's awesome. That's great. I'm not saying that a church building is bad because it's not. They're important because they provide us a place for all of us to gather together. I love you all, but I don't think we're all going to fit inside of a Starbucks. You know, I just don't think it's going to happen. We'd be a little close. I don't like you that much, right? I don't want to be squeezed in like this trying to sip my coffee. I enjoy this. I like this. A church building is not bad. But when that's all we think about, when we think that Jesus can only be experienced inside the church, that's when it becomes a problem, okay? That's when church becomes a problem. And then the last verse I want to share with you today is 1 Corinthians 14.26. 1 Corinthians 14.26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn, or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Here, this last sentence is what's important. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. I don't get upset very often. Um, typically, my emotions are pretty, you know, Pretty, pretty straight on there. But one of the things that really upsets me and really frustrates me the most is when I see somebody on, on the internet or on Facebook or on social media or something like that, and all they're doing is just totally bashing another church or another Christian person or another pastor. That just burns me up more than anything because everything must be done so the church may be built up. Even in our own church, we must do everything we can together as brothers and sisters when we come together to build each other up. If you're not building each other up, then what are you doing here? Are you tearing people down? Because that's not what church should be about. I've used this analogy before, and Pastor Frank has too, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have used this analogy before. The church should be like a hospital, right? Perfect people don't come to church. We're all broken. We're all screwed up in some way. That's why we're here. That's why we need Jesus, because we're not perfect. 
It's kind of like a hospital. You, if you're not sick, you don't go to the emergency room. I don't know anybody who just wants to go to the emergency room for fun because um, it's not. Um, the church should be like a hospital for sick people, broken people, emotional people, people who have been hurt. That's what a church is about. And if somebody walks through those doors and the first thing we do is say, oh, who's that? Look at them. Or, oh, I know that person. They're really bad alcoholic. They need to be here, right? How many times have you heard, how many times have you heard that? Somebody say that. They definitely need church. They definitely need to be here, right? Is that building people up? Not really, right? Yeah, I mean, you're right. They do need to be here, but so do you. So do you. Gossiping and, and talking behind people's back and things like that, that's not building people up. That's not what church is about. That's tearing people down. The only way the church can grow is when we decide and make the conscious decision to love one another, no matter all our faults. Yeah, my fault may be different than yours, and, you know, mine might be worse than yours, even though, you know, sin is all equal in God's eyes. But, you know, it may be worse to you, but we're all broken in some way. And maybe, just, just maybe, I need, like, to, to fix whatever I have, I need your help, but you decided you won't help me because I'm too broken to talk to you, right? Like, like I can't possibly, like, you couldn't possibly talk to me because I was too broken for you, but really, I needed your guidance. I needed your mentorship. That's when a church comes together, is when we do everything together to build people up. Whether it's, like this verse says, whether it's a song, whether it's, it's a word of instruction from Pastor Frank, whether it's a revelation that maybe you just had this dream about somebody in the church, right? Or, or an interpretation or a tongue. Maybe you have got this interpretation about a scripture that is different than what Pastor Frank came up with, and that's awesome, right? We all have something to contribute to the church. That's why we're here when we come together. We got people running sound. We got people up here. We got people in the back with kids. We got people who get here early and clean and make coffee. Everybody working together. Everybody has something to do to build this church up. And these, I think that is what turns people off the most from church. Um, all of my friends that I, or all my old friends that I asked, I said, hey, what turns you off from church the most? Like, what What happened? And they said, I didn't feel welcome. They said, I walked in with, you know, my, well, you have to understand, I was, you know, I was really big into, like, hard rock and metal music when I was in high school. So that was sort of, like, my aesthetic as well, you know, with the long hair and, like, the all black and things like that. They said, I walked into church and nobody talked to me. They avoided me. They said, they avoided me like the plague. That was one of the, the responses I got from one of my buddies, was they avoided me like the plague. They came in, sat in the back, nobody said a word to them, nobody talked to them. They just assumed that, you know, I wasn't a Christian, that, you know, that if I needed Jesus, that, you know, I would just get him by sitting there not feeling welcome. That is the number one thing that I got from all of my friends that I talked to, was that they weren't welcome. Or that, you know, they could see the looks from people, right? They sit in the back row, and then all of a sudden, you see people whisper, and then they turn around and look, right? Like, who's that guy? Who's that girl? I know about her. I saw her on Facebook, like, you know, doing something terrible three weeks ago, right? Why is she here? I can't talk to her. That's the number one thing, y'all. And, and if there's one thing I can, I can make you understand from this is that 
the church of the Bible is so welcoming. The church that we are called to be as Christians is supposed to be too inclusive for all people, not just specific people. God is for everybody. But we don't operate like that a lot of times. Our churches today don't operate like that a lot of times. And we're turning people my age off, which is scary because when I get to be, you know, well, I'm almost 30, but when I get to be, you know, 40, 50, I wonder, you know, I wonder what, what is Christianity going to look like 20 or 30 years from now? And it scares me. Because if I'm the only one of my friends that I know that goes to church, I can't be the only one that has friends who don't go to church too, right, that are my age. What's it going to look like? What's it going to look like? We have to understand what church is like. We've got to figure out ways to draw these people in. And that's my goal. And something that as I've gone through this series, I said, man, I have got to get my friends in church. I have got to get my millennial friends that are like me, that had these same views that I had, that they left the church. I stayed because I found hope. They didn't. What did I do that was different than what they did, and how do I bring them back? Because they experienced the same thing I did. I'll tell you a little story about why this is so relevant to me as we close. Um, this will be my last thing, but I want to tell you a story about why the view of church to me is so important. So I told you, I went to a, um, it was a, a large Southern Baptist, very traditional, very traditional church, um, and if you know anything about me at all or can't tell by looking at me, I am not anything traditional. Um, so to say that I didn't fit in there um, would, would be kind of an understatement there. But I was lucky that I had other friends as well who didn't fit in as well. So we were kind of outcasted together or they kind of make me felt included a little bit more. But I went to this church for a long time through middle and high school. It was a um, really large youth group. Um, but it was hard for me because I didn't go to the same school as those kids. Um, so while they were all, you know, talking about the stuff that happened at school and they all could see at school together, um, you know, they would do things like that. They would go to lunch together at school. And I couldn't do that because I was the only one from my school that went there. Um, so it was very difficult to, to sort of stay connected and stay caught up on all that was happening in that friend group because I wasn't with them all the time. Um, and sort of as high school, um, as high school kind of progressed, that's, that, that divide between me and them started to get a little bigger um, as they started hanging out more outside of school at school functions and things like that when they could start driving and going to people's homes and things like that. And, you know, there were times that as it progressed that, you know, I wasn't necessarily invited to those things anymore. Um, and it got to the point where, you know, after I graduated, I was like, well, that, you know, it sucks I'm losing those friends. But, you know, I, there was already sort of a divide there happening anyway. Um, so, and then the, the youth pastor at the time, um, for some reason, whatever reason, him and I just didn't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. Um, I would approach him about questions I had or, you know, you know what, like, what, what does the Bible say about this? Or what if you interpret it this way? And he would just, you know, give me the rules that, no, we don't do that because it just says we don't. No, you don't do this. No, you don't do this. No, you don't do this. No, you don't do this, right? Oh, you did that? Oh, you need to pray. Here, let me pray for you or whatever, right? That's all it was. 
we never had a real relationship there. So I sort of had this jaded view of, like, what a pastor was supposed to be, right? Because all I did was had this dude, like, basically, you know, thump me on the head with the Bible and say, no, don't do that, repent, right? So naturally, after I graduated, I would go to a Bible Christian college, right? That would make sense um, since I had this whole view, um, which if, and you know, being up here, if just being honest again, um, it made me dislike the church even more. It turned Jesus, it turned Christianity into a textbook um, without there being any real substance behind it, right? Um, it turned God into this theological, like, text that I would have to read, and I'm like, what? Like, I thought I was just supposed to have a relationship with him, right? Like, what is, this says otherwise. It turned church into a forced chapel service that I would have to go to three times a week. Um, It it just totally turned me off even more from from the church, Um, because it was, what I was experiencing was the total opposite of what I thought Christianity was supposed to be which was about people gathered together in the name of Jesus, worshiping together, worshiping the same God, doesn't matter who you were. But that's not what I got growing up. Um, I did for a little while, um, and, and I think that's the whole reason I eventually made my way back to church was because I found and I realized, you know, that what I had experienced was not what Christianity and not what church was about. That's not what it was. Um, and when I came back from that Bible school or whatever, um, I only, I didn't spend very long there at all. Um, I came back and started getting plugged in with Pastor Frank when, um, he was at another church before he planted this one. He said, hey, why don't you come, you know, plant Lake Point Church with me? I said, you know, sure, why not? Um, my, my, you know, my view of church can't possibly get any worse, so, you know, sure, why not? It can only get better from here, and I'm still here, so, um, but the reason I, I, I say all this and the reason why I tell you that story is not to say, oh, you know, poor pitiful me, but it's to tell you, hey, if you've had that experience with church the way I have, I want you to know that that is not what true church is supposed to be. That is not what real, authentic, unfiltered church is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about a group of people like us where two or even two or three or more gathered in Jesus' name to praise and worship him. It doesn't have to be in a church building. It could be you and it could be you and your significant other singing like worship songs on the way home today. That could be church for you if that's what it's about, right? Like church doesn't have to be a building where when you walk in, you get stared at. That's not what church is about. And if you're here and that's the only experience you've had with church, I would encourage you to 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 find a church that doesn't make you feel that way. And I hope that if you've been coming here long enough, I hope that Lake Point doesn't make you feel that way because I've always felt welcomed here and most of the people I've talked to has felt welcomed here. I think one of the the things that we do the best is making people feel welcome and I'm so appreciative and thankful for that. But if this is your first time here or whatever and you say, yeah, that's the church that I go, like, hey, where you went to church, was that the same church that you went to? Because it sounds very familiar, right? I would encourage you, that's not what authentic and true church is. And I would encourage you to to find one because I promise you it'll be the best decision that you made. Because church is all about our relationship with God. It's all about worshiping him. And it's all about the, the communication and prayer and worship that we have with one another so that we can worship him together as well. And maybe, you know, you, you've never experienced that relationship because your, your church experience has been so bad. 
Well, if that's the case, you know, l- let, me, let me just tell you, a relationship with Jesus is something that you will not regret ever. It'll be the best, the, the best thing you've ever done. Um, and I promise you, as a church, we will be here to help you through that. We will be here every single step of the way to say, okay, this is what a relationship with Jesus and God looks like. This is what true church is. Well, let us help you. So if you're here and that's you, I would encourage you, come talk to me. Come talk to Pastor Frank. Talk to some adult in this room or some, anybody. I don't even care. It could be a kid. There's kids back there who probably know more than I do about what church is about. Um, talk to one of them. But I would encourage you, please don't step away from the church. Please. I've got too many friends who I've watched do that, that now is my job to pull them back. And I encourage you the same way. Maybe you have friends that have said the same thing to you. They don't have to be my age. They don't have to be millennials. They could be friends your age and say, you know, I just don't feel welcome. I would encourage you, do what you can to bring them back. Tell them, hey, I don't know what church you've been to before, but I promise that our church will be welcoming. Our church does church the right way, right? And show them what church and Christianity is supposed to be. Because I promise it'll make all the difference. We need to get these people back in church and show them what it's really about.